Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, I'm Sarah. When planning our home birth, my husband Matthew and I were really frustrated by the lack of empowering and honest home birth resources. So we created this podcast to start a new conversation for moms and families like us. This is Doing It at Home. Hello, beautiful people. Today we're talking with Melissa Thormalen, and she shares with us the home birth story of her baby Tyler, who you can actually hear at different points during the interview, uh, just 11 weeks old and this little smushy bundle of cute. Uh, she's hanging out with him and he joins us for part of the interview. So that's really cool. We love having babies in the background. And Melissa's story is awesome in that she had total trust and surrender to the process trusted in her body, trusted in her amazing birth team. And I love how she just sat in it um, when she went into labor, realized that was happening, but birthing time didn't really begin um, for a while after. And so during that that sweet spot, that area, she just really took advantage of it and hung out with her husband, Paul. They had really sweet, intimate time together of going on dates and hanging out and treated herself to a manicure, pedicure. Love that. And, you know, in the birth, it's just this transformative experience that's so um, apparent in how she tells it. And she talks about the magic of it, which we love, love to talk about magic. And I'm just, I'm just so thrilled to, to share her story and have this platform to allow her to, to share all of that. And it's just gives me all the feels. I even get a little tear up, teared up a little point in the, uh, in the interview. So listen up. Hi, Melissa. Hi, how are you? Oh, we are awesome. How are you today? Good. Really excited. Yes. Yeah, so I feel so honored that you guys want to hear my birth story. Of course. Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're super grateful to you for carving out time to hang out with us. I know you're a mom and you got some kiddos there who are probably wanting your attention and, and, uh, and energy. So uh, really thank you so much for coming on the podcast and um, sharing your story. We're very excited to hear it. You were uh, sharing some emails with Sarah. And so I got a chance to kind of uh, read through your story a little bit. But I am uh, I'm really excited to have you share it yourself yes, absolutely yeah so just um i just want to yeah oh, go ahead. you guys i just wanted to start by saying that i'm really envious that you guys get to listen to everyone's birth story i'm kind of a birth story junkie and 
would ask people in the grocery store if I could, what's their birth story? I feel like it's one of the most transformative experience a woman goes through. And so for you guys to get to sit and talk to so many women and hear their birth stories, it's gotta say I'm a little envious. Uh, well, oh, you'll be cool. able to listen to them because right now we're in this huge collection phase of getting a lot of birth stories and um, they'll be coming at you through, through your yeah. ears. So you won't have yeah, to I've stop been, strangers. I've been listening to your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've been listening to your podcast, so. Oh, very cool. Well, you know what? On that note, if uh, Melissa, if you know anyone who has a home birth story that would uh, would want to share on the podcast, send them our way. And uh, for you listeners as well, if if you yourself have a home birth story you want to share, or you know someone, uh, please don't hesitate to to uh, reach out to us. You can you know shoot us an email at hello at diahpodcast.com, and we would love to hear your stories tell them on the podcast and, and share them with everyone. So that's just a quick tangent. Yes, yes. Okay, well, back to you, Melissa. Um, tell yes. us a little bit about you and your family and just, you know, give the listeners an idea of, of who we're talking to. Yeah, so um, my husband and I met about 12 years ago now, and um, we have been married for six. We have two kids. We have a little girl named Emmeline, and she is two and a half. And um, just a spitfire. She's really talkative and <laughs> – this joy and then um, we just welcome Tyler our son um, and he's 12 weeks now so yeah and my husband works in San Francisco and currently we're living in Lafayette which is in the East Bay um, we're in California so the East Bay area um, and yeah that's our family makeup so that's beautiful uh, what's your husband's name Paul my husband's Paul. name is Paul awesome what's going on Paul <laughs> We love the baby daddies <laughs> on this show. Yes. <laughs> yes, I got to shout yes. them all out. Um, exactly. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. So what what was the process like for you and Paul once you knew you wanted to have kids and were pregnant to choose home birth? What was that journey like? Well, there's been a couple of triggers for me. So my aunt um, gave birth to her four children at home. And um, in the early 90s, kind of when it wasn't really a popular thing, we're Kind of, we kind of joked that maybe her midwife wasn't even certified. And, um, so that was always something that was kind of sticking out in my mind. Um, and I always found it very attractive and brave. And um, so that was kind of a transformative experience when I was younger. And then when Paul and I met um, and got together and decided we wanted kids, we kind of were on the same page about it. Like I brought it up and he was like, yeah, I could, I could do that. And then this is so cliche, but I'm sure a lot of home birthers can relate to this, but we sat uh, and watched the business of being born. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really resonated with us because it is a business. And not that the hospital isn't there 
you know, isn't a great place to have a baby. But for us, it felt like we could go there if we needed to, but we really wanted to try to do it at home. We felt like that was the best place to do it without interventions. And um, so having a supportive husband in that venue was just really powerful. And then hold on, I'm going to go get Tyler real fast. He's crying. Mm-hmm. So. Hi, Tyler. Oh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, my husband's always been kind of the person that has seeked out medical care that's right for him. And, and so he was very supportive in that for me, you know, find a, a midwife, one that speaks to you, one that will sit down with you for an hour for each appointment and, yeah. you know, really trust your body. And so I think that that's been kind of our journey to home birth. And we planned one with our daughter and I know in, in my email to you, I, I explained that it didn't work out. We ended up transferring to the hospital. But we still had the most amazing experience with our midwife and our doula. And so our journey to home birth has been just amazing. One of the best decisions I think we've ever made. That's mm. awesome. So if I'm, if I'm understanding with Emmeline, you planned for a home birth. And so I'm sure the, the, during the pregnancy, you were doing all the home birth prep. And then uh, the, during the birth itself, you ended up doing a transfer. And so then with, with baby Tyler... Uh, once again, you planned for a home birth, and um, he was actually delivered at home. Yes, that's correct. Uh, so you have you have the the double preparation experiences for doing it both times. That's really yes. cool. Yeah, that's so. It sounds like you were really proactive in your process. You know, like what you said, Paul, being someone who looks like he takes a very informed approach to seeking out medical care and just looking at it from all sides. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I found as a trait in home birth moms is seeking options and having that real proactive nature. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's an innate trust in, in a woman's body and it, there needs to be in order to do a home birth. You know, it's, it, it's not as mainstream as I'd like to see it. And it's a little off the beaten path and you have to really have that trust in your body and trust in your team and, mm-hmm. you know, know that you can do it in order for it to, to work and, and be able to find people that speak to you. Right. So how did you to guide you in the process? How did you do that? Um, you know, with, with both pregnancies or if there was, did you have the same team? I, I did to the, to some degree. Um, okay. so we were, we had my daughter in San Francisco and so we used, uh, Maria Iarillo as our midwife and she is phenomenal. And not only is she an amazing midwife, she also is an amazing connector. So she connected me with, with me with other moms that were due at the same time that I was. And actually I gave birth to one of our best friends, um, on the exact same day. So my midwife had to go to two births on the same day. Wow. And, um, so she's, she was just with the moment we met her and, you know, she had this great analogy of, you know, birth is like climbing a mountain and there's different ways to get up that mountain. You can climb up and she'll be my Sherpa and, you know, we can do it the hard way, or you could take a helicopter and land at the top of the <laughs> the mountain. Either way, it's a beautiful view once you get to the top. It's just a matter of how you want to get there. Uh, and I felt like the moment she said that to us, we were just, we're like, she's our midwife. This is it. We're, wow. we've, you know, so and then um, through her, we met our doula, uh, who was just beginning when we gave birth to Emmeline. And so I think she was, Emmeline was maybe baby number 35. And um, her name's Ali Quentos. And she ended up also being our doula for Tyler. 
And I think Tyler was like 199. So in those two years, she was quite busy. Yeah, dang. and um, <laughs> and she's phenomenal. I would used to after after I had Emmeline, I would say everyone doesn't need a doula. Everyone needs an Allie because Allie was just. I mean, even I honestly felt like I could not have birthed Tyler at home without Allie's support and you know love. I mean, she just approaches being a doula with just so much caring and love. So that's awesome. Um, and then, and then my midwife for Tyler's birth, because Maria doesn't leave the city, um, had to be a different midwife. Mm-hmm. And so I used Fire and Jones and she was awesome in a whole new way because she came to the house for every appointment. Mm. And so, you know, and, and when I have a toddler at home, it was very helpful to just, sure, come on over during nap time or, you know, we'll be home during this time. And so she really got to like, she just became part of our, our everyday life. So when she showed up for the birth, it was just like, oh, she's already been here so many times and. So that was pretty awesome. Wow, that's great. So my team, my team for both births were just phenomenal, and I couldn't ask for better support. Mm-hmm. And of course, my husband and my sister was there as well mm-hmm. for both births. And what were their roles? Did they did they have active roles? Were they there for more like emotional support? What were they doing? Yeah, well, I mean, each birth was a little bit different, but for both births, my husband never left my side, or if mm-hmm. he did, it was for the shortest period of time. Um, he was just right there with me, you know, holding my hand and guiding me. And, you know, if we get into Tyler's birth a little bit later, you'll, you'll realize how, how amazing that was. Um, and then my sister in Emmeline's birth, I remember she, we were in the hospital and I was pushing and I, you know, I was on my, on my back. I had, had to get an epidural to kind of recover and be able to push. And I just remember my sister being like, he's coming, you're, or she's coming, you're doing it, Melissa, you're doing it. And just hearing those words were just like, Mm. just so powerful and then um my sister for tyler's birth was you know holding my feet keeping me anchored and again was just the silent support that i needed mm. so, that's so cool that's yeah. so cool i mean we've, we've done an episode where we talk about the birth team mm-hmm. and um, just being very intentional about who's on your team and 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 why and the energy and the support and the love that they bring and the roles and so it's really cool that you had uh people on your birth team who were there to just tell you yeah. what, what you needed to hear at the right time and provide that support. Yep. I mean, so crucial. That's awesome. Completely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have this all-star team, it sounds like, for both births. Amazing. Just so crucial. And now let's move into Tyler's birth story that we had been e- emailing about that I'm so excited to now like bring to life through the show and hear more about. Um, okay. what, what was the birthing time like? Let's see. Um, so Tyler, my water broke at um, 39 weeks and two days, which was pretty awesome because my daughter was nine days late. <laughs> um, he wants so to talk on the show also. Was, yeah, he does. He's like, let me tell my story. Yeah, he's like, let me say um, it. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I know I was there. Um, okay, so my water broke at about 1.30 at night. I had gotten up to go to the bathroom, and I came back and laid, in be- laid down in bed. And I felt this, like, almost like a blub, like a bubble. And then it kind of, like, felt like it was trickling out. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And so I stood up and kind of walked around the house for a little bit. And water, oh, fluid was leaking. And, I, you know, it took me a minute. You're really pregnant, and you pee a lot. So you're kind of like, hmm, is that a pee? Or... So, I, you know, I kind of walked around a little bit to figure out if that was 
you know, I was peeing myself or it was, it was my <laughs> ambiotic fluid. And in fact, it was my ambiotic fluid. I, you know, so, so that kind of got me a little excited. And then I, I had about an hour of, of some contractions or surges. And then they petered off and I woke up the next morning and I was like, okay, well, I guess that was that. And I called and texted with my midwife and Zula. My midwife was like, okay, I'll come out later in the in the day and we'll check it and double, you know, just to see if it is ambiotic fluid. They'll put a pad in. And um, and my doula was like, that's great. We'll, you know, keep, in, keep me in touch of what you plan to do or what happens. And so then um, that day, my midwife, I called my mom because my mom, my plan was for my daughter to not be at the birth. Okay. Um, we just decided that my doula really brought to our attention that sometimes the needs of the mother and the older child match and it's perfect and it's amazing. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes the husband's then pulled away from the wife and needing to deal with, with the toddler. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And I really wanted Paul at my side and I knew after Emily's birth that I needed him right there. And so I felt like the best option for us as a family was for her to go stay with my mom and my mom lives in Sacramento. So it's about an hour away. Um, so my mom came and picked up Emmeline and then it was just Paul and I at home and my midwife came by and she checked and she's like, oh, the baby's doing great. It is amniotic fluid. So we're on a clock and some midwives will have a 24 hour clock and others don't mind waiting 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And Fire and Jones was, was totally fine waiting the complete 48. She said that most women will go into labor by themselves within 48 hours. Um, but just to be, you know, very careful um, you know, be very sanitary when I'm wiping and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so she, and then she gave me some herbs and things to try to bring on labor naturally. So I, for four hours, I did a combination of black cohosh, cotton. I hope you guys can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can. And, um, yeah, baby, I know. Um, and a labor tincture and they don't taste very good and <laughs> miserable. And, um, my doula advised us to get a little, a little intimate, um, nipple stimulation can bring on labor as well. Right. Right. So, it like, stimulates oxytocin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is you know, basically Pitocin, but it's your natural version of it. And so it can bring on labor. And so we, we, you know, did some of those things just to, we couldn't get too intimate because after your water breaks, you can't. No. Or anything like that. Darn. <laughs> you can try some other things to make you feel good. And, yeah. <laughs> and so after trying the labor tinctures and kind of being, you know, intimate or whatever was not working. And it was kind of, you know, it's a mental, labor is almost a mental game at that point. Sure. And, um, so we, I would only have a contraction if I was laying on my left side, you know, curled over in the fetal position. And then if I moved in any way, they wouldn't, they wouldn't continue. And so basically at one point I was like, Paul, let's just get up. Let's go out. Let's go for a walk. And so we went for a walk around our neighborhood and it was close to Halloween. So everything was, every, the whole the houses were decorated with Halloween stuff. And so we were just talking about how wonderful it would be that our little boy would be due so close to Halloween. We could have like Halloween birthday parties. Oh man, Matthew's oh. face. Yeah. Matthew <laughs> loves <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Favorite holiday. That's so um, cool. Yeah. So we, you know, we were just talking about that. We went on a nice long walk and then at the end of our walk, it was kind of like you could either turn right to go home or left to go downtown and like, let's go out to dinner. So we went and got sushi and um, had just a really nice dinner. Mm. We just talked and laughed and 
it was it just it was just a really special time and we were very aware that at this point we were kind of on our son's birth story like we're like this is this is his birth story this is part of it um and so we came home and went to bed and no contractions that night and I woke up the next morning and I was like oh man thought I'd have a baby you know every night you go to bed thinking you're gonna have a baby in the morning and there's no baby so you know Paul turns over and he's like well what do you want to do thinking I think he thought I would have all these crazy labor inducing things and I was like you know what let's go to breakfast and so off we went to breakfast and um you know when you have a toddler at home you breakfast is kind of a Olympic farrier entertaining and (laughs) feeding them and food falling on the ground and they're trying to make them not scream and so it was just the two of us and it's probably very rare that you'd get a babysitter and go out to breakfast dates but um so it was really felt really special to go out and just the two of us again and um so we really enjoyed our breakfast we came home and and uh then the one last thing that I was advised to do was to get on the breast pump Mm. to try to induce labor because the breast pump can stimulate the nipples again and really bring on contractions. And so I was like, okay, so I'll, I'll try this one last thing, but I really wasn't into it. I was kind of at this mind frame where the baby was going to come when he was wanted to come and there wasn't really much I could do about it. I just needed to surrender to the experience. Mm. So, but I reluctantly got on the breast pump and I think I stayed on for 10 minutes and then I was like, this is lame. <laughs> I didn't like being on the breast pump when I was breastfeeding my daughter, I don't really want to be on it now. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get my nails done. There so, you go. I, yeah. So I, I got in the car and I was like, so I drove over to the nail salon. And as I got out and I was walking across the street, I had a good surge. And I had Ooh. to almost stop and pause and hold on to the parking meter. And I was like, all right, that's good. And um, so I got into the nail salon and I picked the, you know, the option with the most massage. I was like, just go to town on my feet. Let's mm. just, let's just try this. And, and I, I think I had a couple more surges during the nail salon, um, appointment and I came home and my doula came over around two. So shortly after she, she arrived and, you know, I think I called her that morning and I was like, I'm just really mental about it. And I really just need to not be. And so she's like, I'm coming by. So she came over and we ended up walking to town again and went to a coffee shop and she got lunch and we talked and, you know, we've, we've, we've known her for, you know, two and a half years now or more than that. And so she's a friend. And so we just kind of sat and talked and all during our talk, I was starting to have more regular surges and at times I had to kind of stop and pause. And, and so it was, it felt really productive, but we, my doula takes on the, the, stance of ignore it until you can't ignore it anymore Mm -hmm. so I'm sure she was very aware of what was happening but no one was really talking about it (laughs) so we came home and I jumped in the shower because it was a really hot day for October 21st I guess um it was really hot and I was sweating everywhere and you're pregnant so I jumped in the shower and in the shower I just remember having this like one surge where I had to like hold on to the walls and I was like okay we're moving along and mm-hmm. got out and my midwife came over and so I had half the team there I had my husband I had the midwife I had the doula and our plan at that point was to go to the hospital the next morning and get a rupture of membranes test a ROM test where they would insert a probe in and check make sure that it actually was my membranes breaking because basically I trickled for a little while and then I completely stopped leaking so it could have been the sac in between. There's two There's two sacs in there. There's the inner and the outer, and then there's a little bit of liquid there. So basically, it could have just been, it could have not been my full bat- water's breaking. Wow. If that makes 
Yeah. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly, but yeah. come out of you. It's insane. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so our plan, so, so then if it wasn't, if it was, if the waters were still intact and that wasn't, then we could just continue on and I wouldn't have to be induced. Right. Because okay. I really wanted to avoid going to the hospital. I think that was one of my fears, like, that I would end up at the hospital again. And I really wanted to have that home birth. I was, mm. you know, ready for it. Um, and so our plan was in the morning. So every, they went home or so my midwife left and she's like, I'll either see you in the morning or maybe tonight. Um, and so then we ended up taking my doula she didn't have a car so we took her to visit her family in walnut creek and after we dropped her off we noticed there's this pizza place called skipolini's pizza and they have a labor they have a um a labor pizza that's supposed to induce labor it has like everything on it that is awesome and, um, did so, it have eggplant yeah and no no eggplant but, oh, okay like, tons of the... garlic okay that's sausage, funny salami all the cheeses yeah so um and we actually had tried that with my daughter we we're living in the city and we drove all the way out to Walnut Creek to get the pizza and it didn't work for her. But I was joking that you actually have to be in labor for the pizza to work. So oh, okay, okay. Since I was kind of already having some early surges, I was like, let's go in. And I remember walking into the pizza place and this little kid was like, I had to stop because I had a surge and the little kid was like, what's wrong with her? Oh, <laughs> I, just, huh. I just was laughing. You know, kids are so observant. Yeah. So anyway so we enjoyed the pizza and I was having more frequent surges and um so then we came home afterwards and my sister arrived around 9 p.m and um I was at 9 30 I was like let's all go to bed because either it's going to happen tomorrow we're going to go to the hospital and they're going to induce me or maybe I'll go into labor tonight but either way let's get a good night's sleep and my Mm -hmm. body must have known what was happening because I fell asleep so fast and I slept so hard for two hours and at 11 30 p.m I woke up with like a huge surge. I didn't even have to say anything to Paul. It was almost like he was in tune with my body. He just rolled over and supported me through it. And then, um, and then he got up and he lit candles all over the house and put on Enya and um, just would like sit and support me through each contraction. And well, honestly, I'm getting all choked up because I feel like that was one of the most amazing experiences of Tyler's birth was mm. those couple hours where Paul and I had to labor together and just had that time to really connect and be supported. And and I was just, it just felt like it was magical. The lighting of the room, you know, it was like a soft, warm glow. And I know I listened to your guys' birth story and you had a similar situation where you got to labor, just the two of you. And I feel like that's the most awesome way to bring a baby into the world is with the person you made the baby with. Yeah. I mean, so. yeah, you you know how to get my tear ducts like going because <laughs> in our emailing, I was like crying, and now just like hearing this, that you know the synchronicities are very, um, very strong between like what you're sharing in your experience and, and mine and Matthew's, and it's just like, oh, like, all the feels. Yeah, yeah. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I mean, that's what, that's what home birth is. It's all the feels, which is <laughs> magical. Mm-hmm. Um, so then around like 2 a.m. or 1.45-ish, I think my sister finally woke up. I think my, my noises were getting louder. And I, at that point, I was kind of struggling to kind of stay on top of them by myself. I felt like I needed more support. And so my mm-hmm. sister woke up and we called my doula to come over. And I actually called her. And I don't know if, if you guys have this in your home birthing um, communities, but if you call the midwife or doula, they don't really take you as seriously, you know, because they're like, well, she's talking on the phone. Oh, yeah. So you can talk probably through not it. That. You're fine. Yeah. 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 So she and I had called her and I was like, oh, I want you to come over. And she's like, hey, I want you to try two more positions. You know, so she, she gave me, you know, and then she's like, and then call me back if you need me. And so uh, one of them was to get in the shower and, oh, it was just so painful. I remember being in there and then getting out and being like, I hope I was in there longer than two minutes because I basically have had like a full contraction. Like I felt like the whole time I was in there, I was contracting. Mm. Um, And so then I got out and she told me to sit backwards on the toilet and have Paul sit behind me and just really support me through through the contractions with massaging on my back and stuff. And I remember sitting there being like, Paul, Allie has to get over here now. So he called her. And she came over really shortly after. And this is when the timeline starts to get fuzzy. And the only reason I know times is because my doula kept really diligent notes. Mm. So um, so she came and she watched me have, have go through some surges. And she noticed that I was already feeling like I needed to bear down. And so she called my midwife and she's like, you need to get here right now. And uh, my midwife was in the city. And so we were a little concerned of how long that would take. It's only a 30 minute drive if there's no traffic, but it could be longer if there's something that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, I'm on my way. I'll be right there. And I'll send the backup midwife over who was a little bit closer. And they arrived around 3:45, And I had really been feeling like the whole time I needed to um, push. Mm. And I had had this feeling with my daughter as well. And so I kind of felt like I was prematurely pushing. I, I for some reason, was very aware that maybe I wasn't fully dilated. And so I made my midwife wait a little bit before checking me. And then finally I let her check and she's like, you're seven centimeters, which is great. Mm. (laughs) But I was like, oh man, that means I can't push. And, you know, you, it's really hard not to compare what you're going through with your second child with your first labor. Because with my daughter, when my midwife showed up at 10 PM, I was six centimeters, but we ended up transferring to the hospital at 5 a.m. Uh, when I was nine centimeters. So it took quite a long time for me to go through that transition. Mm. And so I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm seven centimeters now, this is going to take a really long time. Um, but they insured me. They're like, no, 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 you're a second time mom. This could happen really fast. Mm. And um, they're yeah, like, that's but something you can't to remember anymore. for sure. Cause I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they're like, but you can't push. So <laughs> you really have to not push. And, I was like, and, and, and I really, I've always described pushing as, um, it's involuntary. It's almost like you need to throw up, mm. you know, if you have to throw up, you can't control, you can't stop throwing up, Right. you know, you can put your hand over it, but it's still going to come out. And that's kind of how pushing feels. It's at least for my body. I don't think it's forever. I think everybody's different, but for my body, it was, it was really hard to fight the urge mm-hmm. to push. And where were and you so, at this stage? 
So I'm on, I'm in, yeah, that's good. I'm on, I'm on my bed. Okay. I'm on my bed laying there and um, my sister was on my feet. My husband was by my hands, like my face and my doula was behind me. So I was completely fully supported and my doula, every contraction would come. She'd give me some kind of like, you know, some kind of positive affirmation mm. to focus on. And then she would hiss through it with me. So she, Ooh, or I love like that. Blow, you know, and so instead of pushing, I would mimic her breath. And so she was really instrumental in being able to help me not to push, mm-hmm. um, you know, through her, her breathing. And, you know, I would just mimic whatever she had me do. And each time it kind of felt like it was different. And with my doula, I felt like each contraction I had, she'd have something else for me to focus on. And it was almost like exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. Mm-hmm. So it was very powerful and very helpful. Yeah. Um, so, so then I'm on the bed and, and at one point my husband goes, well, why don't we get you in the tub? Maybe that'll relax you and help you to not push. And so they set up the bathtub. We didn't actually get a birth tub this time because my bathtub is pretty big. And we didn't use the birth tub the first time. So this time we just decided to use my bathtub. And they set it up and I got in and it was just like calming and warm and nice. But it is kind of hard to really kind of like feel grounded in the tub during a, a, a surge. I've heard and that so from, that from was... other women as well, that, that sort of feeling. Yeah. Um, so I would kind of like push on the sides and be up on my elbow and just really try to find a way to feel like anchored in the tub during a surge. And I remember my midwife, she might have handed it to me before I got into the tub. Um, she handed me an elephant figurine, like a little tiny, you know, maybe like a, a little toy elephant figurine. And I remember clutching onto it in the bathtub and I basically didn't let go of it until Tyler was born. And I was, you know, I kept saying in my head, if an elephant can be pregnant for two years, I can do this. Wow. Oh it my was God. just like, <laughs> I would just like hold onto it. And it was just so like powerful for me to have something to hold onto. Yeah. And um, I remember everyone being around the tub and, um, yeah. And so then I, I think at one point I was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard not to push. Can, can you check, like, when can you check me again to my midwife? And Fireman was like, well, I think we should go 10 more contractions. That's 30 more minutes. And oh I my gosh. Just felt deflated. I, you know, when, it, when you're living for each contraction and not, I was just, uh, I didn't know how I was going to do it. So I remember sinking in the water and being like, okay, I can do this. Like, I, I can do this. And, and I think I was even like, I want you guys all to know that I'm dreaming of an epidural right now. <laughs> mm. I'm dreaming of all this pain going away. And my doula was like, well, that's what, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. That's exactly how you're supposed to be feeling. And she's always very supportive of what I was feeling. Right. Validating um, that. As, as my midwife as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see. So then um, she, I, you know, so she's like 10 more contractions and, then I think she let me go four more and I, then she was like, okay, I'll check you, but you have to turn over in the back step. And I think it was kind of like, she's right-handed and I need to be on the other side mm. in order for her to check. And I was like, okay. So I got up and I turned over in the process of turning over. I had two huge contractions back to back. Basically I would, I don't know if this happens to other women cause I haven't really talked a lot about it, but I couple in my contractions. So they would, one would come and then one would come right after it. Huh. Okay. And so I didn't always have that like four minute break in between or not four minute, like two minute break in between each contraction. Mm-hmm. I would actually have one like right away again. And I remember being like, another one's coming. And um, so, so that happened and I had two back to back and they were so powerful and so strong. And 
I lay back down and she looked at me and she checked me and she's like, oh, Melissa, you're 10 centimeters. She's like, do you want to have the baby here or, and I had another surge and I just put like reached down and I pushed with all my might. And I think I pushed like two times and I got his head out. And then the end of the contraction, I like had enough energy to push again and I got his whole body out. Wow. <laughs> and um, so I like basically my midwife loves to describe this moment or my doula does um, that Tyler was swimming up into my arms because he was in the bathtub and and he just kind of like floated up and I grabbed him. And I pulled him on my chest and I was like, I did it. I did it. I did it. And I think that's like all I said for the next five minutes was I did it. I did it at home. I can't believe it. And so it was just all the feels. So, so, so much joy. Um, yeah. And oh my, my gosh. sister was like, I was boiling water. If I didn't hear you say he's coming, I think I shouted out he's coming. Um, I wouldn't have made it. Like she was just in the other room. And so it all happened really fast. Wow. Okay. So and your sister's running amazing. in and like, what was everyone else doing? Um, everyone was real right there. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, cause our bathtub is kind of in the corner. So, right. um, basically they were watching. I, Paul was like, I couldn't even really see the baby come out. He's like, at one point we were like, there, the head's out. I think no one really thought it was going to happen that fast. Mm. So everyone, and my, my midwife was right there and the, the doula was like holding my hands or maybe my husband was holding my hands. I don't remember. I feel like someone was right. Everyone was right there. I felt very supported, but I basically pulled him out myself <laughs> or caught him out myself. That is amazing. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty powerful. And we weren't really intending a water birth. And it was just that I had been wanting to push for so long. And the moment she said I could, I was like, I'm doing this. <laughs> Let me add it. So oh, my gosh. it was really awesome. Yeah. That's and then so we inspiring. got out of the tub and mm-hmm. yeah. So we got out of the tub and went to bed and the birth was sent to there. And um, my midwife made us a delicious breakfast and we just sat in bed and talked and took pictures and called family and told them that Tyler had been born. And so it was just amazing experience. Mm. Wow. 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 That is like, I love it. It has, it has all the amazing elements of it's like sweet and tender, like that time you got to have with Paul. And I love how you like loved on yourself and took care of yourself, like go get your nails done. And, and the the peace you seem to have around all of it, like you said, like you trusted and surrendered to the process of like, it's going to happen when it's going to happen. I trust baby. I trust my body. And, you know, the, the awesome communication and relationship you had with your team was so on point. Like you, it's, you are just such a great example of how home birth works and can work and how it can be for, for those who just explore their options and decide that that is the best option for them. Like you said, there's many ways to get to the top of the mountain, but you chose your path that worked best for you and you got the best freaking view at the top of that mountain. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. That's incredible. Um, when you look back on it, you know, when you look back on the, the prepping, cause you prepped for two home births, um, is there anything you would do differently? It doesn't sound like it, but you know, just in retrospect, like more of something or less of something. Um, you know, well, we didn't really talk about a lot of the prep that I did. Um, so I, let's see, I, Ina May is awesome. And so I read her books and let's see what 
Um, so I've read her books and she's really powerful. The hypnobirthing book was awesome for me, even though I didn't really take the class, I still feel like it puts you in the mind frame of just kind of surrendering to each surge and letting it pass, you know, and riding the wave and there's a peak and then you get, you, you, I think just being aware of how, how it goes up and then down and how you, if you're at the top, you only have a little bit ways to go down and just really kind of surrounding yourself with knowledge about natural birth and what it feels like to the best of your knowledge. Cause I feel like it's indescribable, but you know, just being aware that you can do it. Um, something that really helped for Tyler's birth that I didn't really do for Emmeline's birth was um, I collected images of home birth. So I kind of would like scour um, the internet of, for pictures of women who were birthing at home. And I would watch YouTube videos of women that were birthing at home, almost kind of like a case study in a way to really gather that image and knowledge of what it looks like. And those, those images are really powerful to me. And so throughout my pregnancy, I would kind of look for those and take screenshots of them and look at them later and just be like, this woman did it. I can do it. You know? Wow. It sounds to me almost like a vision board type thing that you were creating. You know, that's that, you know, in your research and kind of case study aspect to it, I also see it from the perspective of like your intention setting and, and all of that. Like I'm super into that, like manifestation and yes. stuff. So it's like you you set your game plan and you set your mindset. It's like it's like pro athletes who put themselves in the space of like the championship game. It's like, I've already been there in my mind. So it's just now this is actualizing yes. it. Yes. Visualizing the the birth and um, just really trying to, to take what you, what you want and manifest it through your visions. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah. And then positive affirmations. I found them on um, iTunes, a positive affirmation, uh, you know, track. And I would listen to that at night and it would just be like, I, you know, things like I am strong and my baby is coming into the world exactly the way the baby is supposed to come and, you know, things like that. And I actually wrote out some positive affirmations and hung them in my mirror, on my mirror in my bedroom. And so when I was getting ready in the morning, I would kind of look at them. And I feel like all those things really focused and set intention for the home birth. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and then also we mm -hmm. had a really, really strong um, backup plan, you know, especially since I had already transferred with Emmeline um, this time around. We, I knew like if this was, if it was a, not an emergency, we'd go to one hospital. If it was a serious emergency, we'd go to another hospital. And, you know, we, we kind of had this, this really in-depth backup plan. And then we were really knowledgeable about what would happen if we transferred, what kind of interventions would they want to do? What could we say yes to and what could we say no to? Um, and, and we were even prepared for that with Emmeline. They wanted to do an electrode in her head, which is a little disc where they put it in the baby's head to see if it's the baby's heartbeat that could be dropping during a contraction or yours. And, you know, we said, no, let's do something else. Let's try something else first. And so I think, you know, being powerful in knowledge of what happens during birth, both at home and at the hospital, is, is really important if you're planning a home birth because you need to be educated. Wow. You just answered my next question. It was going to be you know, some <laughs> advice you have for families. And I think you really set a great example of anytime you're presented with something, okay, I see what this is. Are there any other options? What are they? And what, you know, what do they look like? So just, um, 
really taking that time for yourself. Because I think when you take that time and you feel more informed in your decision, you're that much more empowered, no matter what the decision is. Exactly. Yeah. And try to find a good um, home, try to find a good home birth prep class if you can in your area. Um, We lived in San Francisco and we took an amazing six week course and met a lot of great people as well as gained a ton of knowledge. Um, But try to find, you know, prep courses that can kind of help you take one with your midwife or maybe your midwife knows another midwife that does a class because I feel like those classes can really help you feel super prepared Mm. for Mm. anything. I like that. Because with, mm -hmm. go ahead. With, with home birth transfer is, is an op, you know, is, is a possibility. And so you just want to be prepared. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I love how you talk about utilizing the network too, you know, midwives who know midwives, who know doulas, who know childbirth care educators and blah, blah, blah. I feel like the, um, the home birth community, while it may seem smaller, you know, statistically, if you look at the the numbers of home births and hospital births, but the home birth community is so, I feel, connected and mm-hmm. like synergized and, and in tuned with each other so that, I mean, you really have a, a multitude of resources at your, um, at your disposal if you choose to access them. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Meeting people through your midwife who has also delivered babies. I feel like the home birth person has a different mental state just because they're willing to even consider it. And I think that, like you said, it's a really tight knit community and and I've been so grateful for it. You know, one of the things that Paul and I have really been grateful for, even though we didn't actually get to have our daughter at home, we entered into this community that is still to this day, one of the most supportive communities I've ever been in. I'm still friends with most of the women that I met through him actually all the women that I met through my midwife and the first eight weeks of my postpartum life, I was completely supported and made great friends. And my daughter has friends that will be her friends for life. And, you know, we'll be in touch with our midwife forever. It's just, it's a really special community. Yeah. Ooh, cause it takes a community. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It really does. Well, Melissa, thank you so, so much. And yep, perfect timing. Little Tyler, he's, he's ready. I enjoy having him yep, on the call too to join us. I love that. I feel like he adds to the energy, you know, and like you're connected with Good. him right now so intimately, like as you share his story. I think that's perfect and exactly how it was supposed to be. Um, yes. Matthew, well, thank you so much. Yes, Matthew is grateful to you as well. He had a little diaper duty situation going on. So I, for him, will say thank you and – um. Just keep being awesome. Enjoy that beautiful family of yours and keep us posted on because now we're a part of your community. So let us know how you're doing. Great. You guys too. Congratulations on your daughter and your home birth and your story is inspiring for others. And I just love all the work you're doing to normalize home birth. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. All right, Melissa, take care. All right. Yeah, you too. Okay. Bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, 
download the white paper from audiostack.ai.